Hello, everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest.tv or BibleQuest.org. Either one will get you there. Glad you're able to join us on this Tuesday afternoon. Um, we're going to pick up uh, and continue where we left off last week. Uh, we talked about the Philippians, the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. But we looked at chapter 1 and 3 skipping two and four. So we're going to uh, jump into the, uh, the topics on two and four. And uh, Scott, our program director is here with us. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing all right. But actually, I think you did chapters one and four. Last Didn't time. I say that? <laughs> you said, I think you said one and I don't remember which set, but whatever. It's going to be two and three today. Sorry. Two and three today. Okay, good, good, good. So uh, let me also add that it's just Scott and I. We, uh, uh, our other two uh, comrades are absent, but they're not absent without leave. They are on uh, other assignments today, but we look forward to them joining us next week. They um, have forsaken us having loved this present Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> and um, so it's gonna be two and three today chapter two and three of Philippians. Is that what you said, Scott? That's right. So go ahead. Why don't we, uh, now, let me, before we do that, um, you're coming in on the Zoom app. We're not broadcasting on the Facebook page today. Uh, technical issues with Scott and I figuring out how to do that without Stephen here, but uh, we'll have to make, make sure we know how to do that in the future. But we did put a link up there, right, Scott, that you, if right. anyone coming in on that, they'll come over through here. That's good. Um, but so you've, since you're coming in through the um, the Zoom app, please be sure to click on the uh, chat bot button, little chat and thing there, and pop up the window and be ready to ask questions or give us your thoughts and comments as we're going through the program. Uh, and if you have other questions unrelated to this that you'd like us to talk about, please add that as well, and we'll add that to our list whether we include it this week or an upcoming week. We'd love to hear from you on that. And if you're coming in on our podcast, uh, you, you're listening to a, the pre-recording uh, on your podcast uh, player, uh, go to BibleQuest.org or .tv, either one, and fill out the form there if you have any questions or comments that you'd like us to address. So with all of that said, Scott, why don't you kick it off? What are we doing? All right, so let's pull up uh, Philippians here. And uh, we'll remind ourselves in our audience of, of where we were last week, which was on chapters one and two and a little bit of background. So mm -hmm. Philippi is this church. It's the first church that Paul planted in Europe. He would have been leaving what we now call the continent of Asia and heading into the continent of, that we now call Europe. Established that church at Philippi. And you might remember there in Acts 16, there was Lydia in her household, the jailer in his household. Uh, but now Paul is in Rome. So this would have been uh, shortly before 50 AD uh, when he was here, late 40s. This is now early 60s. So it's over 20 years later, uh, a little bit more than 20 years. And he is a prisoner. Acts chapter 28 ends with him being able to rent his own house, but he is under guard and it refers to his bonds. Uh, the Philippians have sent Epaphroditus to him with a gift, with support. And he's received that and he was glad to have Epaphroditus there, but Epaphroditus got sick and almost died. 
word of that had gotten back to the Philippians. And in those days, by the time you hear in a letter that somebody is gravely ill, they could not only be gone, but already, you know, some time ago, by the time you get further word. So he sends Epaphroditus back along with a letter of thanks and encouragement, and that is the Philippian letter. Can I interrupt you so, for a second, Scott? Absolutely. I don't know if it's a typo or you misspoke, but you had, I thought you said a little over 20 years, but your slide says 10, and I thought it was closer to a little over 10 years. You're right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, 40, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know what threw me off? I had 40s to 60s, so my mind went to 20. Okay. This is, yeah. So let's say from 49 to perhaps, oh, say 60, 61, 62. Yeah, so just a little over 10 years. I know it wasn't Thank a senior group. moment. It wasn't a senior moment, it was just a slip. <laughs> oh, it, it could have been a senior moment. Okay. So after 20, no, okay, another senior moment. So a little <laughs> over 10 years. Yeah. Nice thing about senior moments is that they'll get more and more frequent. That's true. All right. Chapter one, he starts with his appreciation of them. Chapter one, verse 12, he says, basically, listen, I want you to know this is actually working to accomplish good. And in that section, Drew, we looked at those three problems that he was facing. And that in each case, he looked not only at the bright side, but at the eternal side. What were some of those problems that he was facing there? in chapter one. I want you to know that these things actually turned out for the progress of the gospel. Was one of them that somebody was uh, preaching with not the right motives, uh, maybe trying to stab yep. him in the back? Yep, yep. But and his attitude was, but his attitude was, look, if the truth gets out, so be it. It doesn't matter what they're doing it for. Yeah, it, it'll matter for them before God, but if other people are hearing about Christ, he says, I'm going to rejoice in that. What was one of the other uh, And the other thing was, uh, one was they might kill me. And the first one was that he's a prisoner. And so on the prisoner one, he said, look, you know, this is turning out well. The, the guards are hearing of my stand in Christ, and it's encouraging other brethren to preach more. Problem number two, some of the ones that are doing it out of envy and strife. But I'm going to rejoice that people are hearing about Jesus. Problem number three, they may kill me. If they do, I'll get to go be with the Lord. And then uh, we've got chapter two and three that we'll talk about today. And we jumped ahead to chapter four, where he tells them in their thinking to think the way he was doing. Now, this is one of the reasons I call Philippians the mental health book of the New mm -hmm. Testament. Um, so in chapter four, he said, rejoice in the Lord. That you can join in other things, but in the Lord, that's what somebody can't take away from you. Pray with thanks the things that you can't fix and can't take care of. Instead of being anxious about it, he said, be anxious in nothing, but go and pray to the Lord about it with thanksgiving. Like that song we sing, counts your many blessings. And he says, if you'll think about what's true and honorable and good, uh, as you've seen me done. And he also said there, when you pray and turn it over to God, the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and your thoughts. And people need their hearts and thoughts guarded these days. Um, I think more and more as our society becomes more and more secular, we rely more and more on therapists. 
that's not to say that a therapist can't help somebody. I think there's some excellent therapists. But if you've noticed that just in our culture, used to when families were closer and when there was a belief in God and, and a reliance in the scripture, you that helped out in a lot of things where now people just have no anchor and no foundation. And so they need to go pay somebody to listen to them. Mm. Right. And then it ends with think on good. And uh, then he is, uh, talks about content and, and the close. But let's get over here to chapter two. And Drew, if you would, how about start us off there in chapter two? Before you go there, I just want to emphasize, you had just went right over it quickly, but one of the hardest things for us to do is there in verse 8 of chapter 4. You had said, think on these things. We, we can choose to think on anything. That's right. And you can't think of two things at the same time. Try it. <laughs> you can't. I, I was talking with a friend in rehab about this the other day. And he's, he's taken some self-responsibility, which is good. And he's realizing he's caused this, which is good. But he's struggling with anger. And I told him, I said, what you need to do is focus on gratitude. Because it's, it's hard to be grateful while at the same time feeling sorry for yourself. It's, it's like breathing in and out. I can breathe out. I can breathe in. I cannot do both of them at the same time. I cannot breathe in while I'm breathing out. And if we will stop and be thankful, while we're being thankful, we're not feeling sorry for ourselves. Right. While we're being thankful, we're being thankful. And I, I like what you said. We can choose what we think about. Patrick said, we can't think on zero things. <laughs> we're always going to be, right? Unless you're yeah. sleeping. <laughs> but and the mind's racing around, but like, look, uh, can you think right now, Drew, about a really good breakfast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> breakfast. Uh, eggs over a medium with uh, hash brown, not, yeah, hash browns. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, man. I haven't had that in a long time. Mostly yeah. lately, I've been having no oatmeal here at home, but no, I love that. Nice bacon and some grits. Oh, I, would, I don't know fun. about the grits, but the bacon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. Now I'm not thinking about anything else there, Scott. What are you doing to me? But <laughs> <laughs> what we're illustrating is we can choose what to think about. And sometimes what we need to do is decide, I don't need to keep thinking about that. I need to think about this. So let's go back to chapter one. Here's Paul. You're a prisoner. I'm going to think about that. He's <laughs> not even been struck. I'm going to worry about that. They might kill me. I'm going to be scared about that. <laughs> Well, as long as you choose to focus on those three things, you're not going to be as focused on, hey, I have an opportunity to teach the guards and for them to learn about Christ. And it's encouraging other people to preach. And those people with a bad motive, I'm going to think about that other people are hearing the gospel. And if they tell me, I'm going to think about that I can go be with the Lord. It makes a huge difference what we choose to think about. That's right. I get the impression that he is constantly thinking about Jesus Christ. And let's look at Second uh, Corinthians 4. This is, um, he's going to mention in chapter 4 of Philippians, I've learned the secret to be content. And part of that 
is what he says over here in 2 Corinthians 4. Are you doing that? I'm going to pause my end. I got to get my paper Bible because my digital one is acting up. Yeah, I'm in a paper Bible today too here. All right, so Paul says in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians, wherefore we faint not, though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is for the moment, works for us more and more an exceedingly and eternal way to glory. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. That makes a big difference. And, and Paul went through a lot more than what we've gone through. And yet he speaks of it as, I've had this light affliction, but that's not what I'm choosing to look at. So in at the end of Philippians, he said, rejoice in the Lord. And he said, be anxious in nothing, but by prayer and by prayer, let your supplications be made known to the Lord with thanksgiving. There's that being grateful again. And the peace of God that guard, uh, passes understanding will guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Let's, let's consider where was Paul went back when he was in Philippi. And they remember this when he was there. He got beaten and thrown in prison. And Drew, what were they doing while they were in prison, Paul and Silas? They were singing, happily singing. Yeah. Right, praising God. And uh, so much so that the other prisoners are heard them. And I get the impression that the other prisoners, they weren't complaining about it. And they might have had trouble understanding it. Yeah. You know, you and I are a couple of, you know, ne'er-do-well pagans, you know, and I'm... I was robbing somebody, you were drunk and, you know, <laughs> I killed somebody and we're both thrown in prison and we're sitting there feeling pretty miserable. And then these two guys get beaten and they're still bloody and they're singing. We might've sat there and said, I don't what? understand that. What are they doing? Are they nuts? <laughs> and what does Philippians 4 say? It said the peace of God that passes understanding right. will guard your hearts and thoughts. All right. So Drew, start us off there, if you would, in chapter two. And this is a section on having a humble mind and serving others and following the example of Christ. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, second Corinthians, I'm sorry, second chapter of Philippians, verse one. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any in, uh, participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from self-ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That is top of the list, one of the hardest things to do. In yeah. humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's something that's not natural. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Um, have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, I'm sorry, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself by taking the form of, of a servant being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let me stop there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's break that down. Uh, the example that he appeals to, of course, Jesus. What if Jesus had looked only to his own things and not to the things of others? He wouldn't have come down to lower himself. And so it, it, I'm remembering when he said back uh, in the Gospels, I didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister. You know, he came to serve. And uh, if, if he'd had the selfish attitude we often get, man, where would we be? That's hard to comprehend, isn't it? The God of creation, Jesus Christ was with the Father, was there with the creation. Nothing was made without him. And he's now serving the creature? Yeah. And letting people spit on him. Mm. And nail him to a cross while making fun of him. Making fun of him for who he is or who he says he is. So it just surpasses understanding. It's just, I, I, you remember when he washes the disciples' feet and then he, he's, he's been down there washing their feet and he said, You call me master and lord. He said, and That's right. Just remember the disciple can't be above the master. So you do it too. Yeah. So how many times have we had this attitude? Like I shouldn't have to fill in the blank. I shouldn't have to deal with, I shouldn't have to. Or I shouldn't be treated that way. I should. Yeah. And we, we've been, well, what does it say at the end of chapter one uh, in verse 29? Because yeah. to you it has been granted in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer in his behalf. That's part of it. It's easy to believe in Jesus Christ, but it's hard to follow in his footsteps. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guilty of that. I'm not I'm looking at myself when I see this. This is uh, challenging. It is, and it's meant to be challenging. And we, we we need to be challenged. This whole thing of self, you know, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if you want to follow me, you have to deny self. In fact, even the first and second greatest commandment, the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. And that involves seeing us the way God sees us. Because God doesn't see me up here. He sees me down here. And does he see me up here and everybody else is unimportant? No. He sees, he sees all these little specks of people and I'm one little speck right here. And so we got to get, it, it, it is really, really challenging. And the, the, the example that Jesus set is just one of the most teachable things of it. That's why he had to go to the cross. So that the world will see his humility and his yeah. willingness to go through that. Yeah, and his service. And yeah. yeah. 
So with all that in mind, uh, wh why, Drew, do you suppose he starts, has so many ifs in verse one, if there is any exhortation, if there's any consolation, if there's any fellowship, if there's any tender mercies? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I didn't look at that before. Why does he say, well, it, is that rhetorical? I, yeah, I think in a sense it is. It, it's like, you know, he, he knows that there is, but he's he's challenging them to think about it. And of course, it, it's kind of the opposite of overstatement. It's like understatement. Is there any exhortation in Christ? Well, yeah. Absolutely. If And he's saying, listen, if there's even any, if there's any exhortation in Christ, well, there's a lot. If there's any consolation of love, well, there's a lot. So do this, do this. And he says, have the same love, be of one accord, be of one mind. Don't do anything through faction or through vainglory. I suspect that one reason he writes chapter two is for the benefit of Euodia and Syntyche. Because look at this phrase, he said there at the end of verse two, he says, I want you to be of one mind. Not every translation bears this out, but in the Greek, that's the same phrase over in chapter four. In chapter four, he suddenly says in verse two, I exhort Euodia and I exhort Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, maybe Euodia and Syntyche don't have any problem at all. And he just doing some important teaching in chapter two, and he's just exhorting them to keep doing this in chapter four. But it may be that there was a bit of a tip between Euodia and Syntyche. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, among, or no, among brothers and sisters in Christ, do we ever get some friction? Yeah, sadly, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it has to do with personality differences. Most of the time it does. Uh, we get so in the way. Yep. What are some other things that can get in there? Well, we like different things. And why do, why do you want it your way? I want it my way. Yeah. And then we can start to think that your way is stupid and my way is good and vice versa. And we're both wanting our own way. And he's going to say in Philippians 2, don't just look to your own things, look to the things of others. And it's not at the point that I think you're bringing up here, we're not talking about doctrinal disagreements right, right. we're talking about personal mindsets on things yeah. yeah so even in those areas he's want us to be of one mind he says i exhort yodi and i exhort syntyche to be of the same mind in the lord and then he says i beseech you true yopel help these women for they labored with me in the gospel the, these are important women paul and he wants good for them and the fact that he singles them out to be of the same mind may indicate that they kind of weren't being for some reason or another. Either that somebody hurt somebody's feelings or somebody's not wanting to let something go or somebody's disagreed about, uh, you know, something or personality difference. And so if you hurt my feelings, it's really me having a selfish attitude or conceit. I tell you what, self Pity is a really, really, really ugly thing. I've always said 
you can't hurt my feelings, but I can choose to have my feelings hurt. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. And that's yeah. what he's saying there in verse three of chapter two. Don't do nothing from selfish ambition. So first we might go to the guy that's doing the hurting. If I'm hurting your feelings, you'll be put, people will be pointing at it to me. But if your feelings are getting hurt, regardless of what I did, you too have to look at that because you're, you're feeling person. You're taking it personally. That's got some pride there. And there's, there's some people that go through life like an overripe banana. I mean, it just, you just touch it wrong and it gets bruised really easily. You <laughs> know, I never heard that, but that's good. And, uh, and, and I tell you what, the, the, the generations that we ha have now coming up, uh, mm. I, I was listening to NPR yesterday and somebody they were describing as violence, the fact that one of the national parks didn't have enough information, didn't have information and facts out there about a certain portion of the population. They're saying that is an act of violence by not having. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because it said it didn't show the record of my people in the area. And the in the in the interviewer was talking about in in the one being interviewed, they were talking about and that's an act of violence. No, that's not an act of violence. You might say it should, you know, the history should be widened and better represented. And you might lobby for that or help it, but stop calling that violence. We we, we Today, people are so looking to be victims, you know, and, and, and it's people looking to sue somebody, people looking to complain, people looking to be violated. Don't do that. Don't do anything through faction or through vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, each count the other better than himself. I think I find this to be one of the very best verses to use in marriage counseling. It's not about marriage, but if a husband and a wife aren't getting along, how much is going to get solved if this happens? Don't do anything through faction or through vainglory, but each of you count other better than self. Not looking each of you to, uh, to his own things, but each of you also to the things of others. How many marriage conflicts is that going to straighten out? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or tensions between brethren. So. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute now. It could get straightened out if the two, whether it's two brethren and our husband and wife, even if only one of the parties adheres to that. Lots of times, yes. If one of them will say, you know, if that's important to you, you know, we'll, we'll do it your way. You know? That's right. And so therefore that person is reacting to that scripture and the other one maybe hasn't matured or learned enough or have an understanding of it yet. But one of them, it's his responsibility or her responsibility to yeah. look at that and do it yourself regardless of the situation that you're in regardless of what that other person says or does yeah let, let's say let's say uh, a couple is trying to plan their uh vacation and and one wants to see the the shore and one wants to go to the mountains i'd really like to go to i'd really like to go to the mountains if you really like to go to the mountains we'll go to the mountains this year that's looking to the things of others and when we do that, it encourages other people to do the same. 
you know, maybe the other one was kind of really stuck on, I want to do this, I don't want to do that. But then maybe next time and say, hey, you know what, last time we did it my way. This time, let's do it your way. It, 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 humility encourages humility. Selflessness encourages selflessness. And contrary, selfishness kind of encourages selfishness. Uh, Sandra brought up a question. Being of the same mind doesn't mean that I must agree with my brethren, even in doctrinal matters, does it? Couldn't, right, couldn't we just be at different levels, quote unquote, uh, brackets maturity of understanding God's word? And I think yeah. that's what the point I was trying to lead to, and she brought it right. out in that question. Right, because Paul doesn't say to the Galatians, hey, you guys are teaching that people have to be circumcised to go to be in Christ and go to heaven great, we're going to see it your way. No, that, that's, that's an issue of right or wrong in, in teaching the truth. We need to go by the scripture. But there's sometimes when we have difference of opinion. Paul and Barnabas had a different opinion as to whether or not John Mark should go along. Mm -hmm. And they both felt strongly enough about it that they split up and divided the next journey. Barnabas and, uh, and Mark took the southern route, Paul and Silas took the northern one. They didn't uh, kill each other in the argument, although it was a, a severe argument, but they didn't uh, destroy each other or hurt each other. And, and, and later, Paul will speak positively of both Barnabas and of and John Paul. Paul. That's right. All right. So it turned around. So, so much will be solved if, if, if we'll just not... And, and how many times in an argument, at the beginning of the argument, who, who do we always see as right at the beginning of an argument? I'm always right, Scott. What do you mean? Beginning of the argument, I'm always right too. <laughs> but if we stop and listen partway through, we start realizing the other person has a point of view. Oh, I wasn't thinking about your point of view. And if you know, and 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 then that it's important to look at other people's point of view, not change the word. We're not talking about justifying leaving the, the, the biblical teachings and biblical principles. We're talking about preferences and things. But we also, and I think that's what Sandra was, was bringing up too, is that recognize if the other person may not be at a mature level, they might be a younger Christian. Yeah. Then let's be gentle about that and help that person come along with understanding the truth. What does Abraham do when there was tension between his herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen? Which way do you want to go, Lot? What, yeah. Which one do you prefer? Yeah. And, and which one do we, and Lot looks out there and says, ooh, I want that. And who do we see as the more mature person there? Abraham. Yeah. All right. So have this mind in you that was in Jesus. He wasn't just looking to his own interest. He was doing what we needed. He Whoa. He, I just realized it says in verse six, he though he was in the form of did not count equality with God. A lot of times I don't even look at it as an equality. I look at it like I'm better. <laughs> I'm, <sorry. laughs> I'm way off track when I start doing that. I, I deserve to have it my way because me, me. Yeah. Yeah. So this, 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 this deference, this looking to other people's interests, really important. All right, let's drop down to verse 12. So then, my beloved brethren, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation 
with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Just to make a note here, uh, if you are a Calvinist and you want to think that man doesn't choose anything and God chooses everything, he chooses if you'll obey, he chooses if you'll not obey, nothing's up to you really, uh, then you're probably going to like verse 13. If you have the idea that you can save yourself by your works and you can be, you know, good enough that you kind of deserve heaven, you might kind of like verse 12. But Paul wrote verse 12 and verse 13 together. We have responsibilities, verse 12. And we have to do those responsibilities if we want to be saved. But it is God who is working in us to will and to do. So both sides there, you can't cut one out and cut the other out. They're both there. It would just go so far though saying God is working in us against our will? No, he wants us to bring our will under his will. And like he exemplified in the garden. In, in leading up to the episode just described, Jesus said what? Does anyway let this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, your will. Yeah, and yeah. That, and I think that ties in with uh, was it Peter or Paul said that I think it was Peter being led by the Spirit. Yeah, led by the Spirit in 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 Gla It's only used in Romans eight and Galatians five of Christians. It's right. used Jesus out in the wilderness, but of Christians, it's only Romans eight and Galatians five, and those are parallel passages. So that's Paul, right? When you read it, it, walking led by the spirit is walking by the spirit. You know, if you walk your dog, you're leading your dog. Uh, it's, it's those both phrases are used. And in it, he's saying, don't do the works of the flesh. Drunkenness, you know, uh, uh, immoralities, envy, hatred. Instead, do the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. So, so walking with being led by the spirit, walking by the spirit is following in faithfulness, goodness, kindness, love, joy, peace. We it's have a choice. Getting drunk, you know, pursuing fornication, adultery, or wrath and envies. Exactly. All right. Well, Drew, I don't have my time shown right here. How much time do we have? We're good. We got about 20 minutes. Okay. Let's uh, uh wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry, I'm look I'm doing um, what you just did about numbers. You're right, uh, Patrick. We're, we're, we're not good at math. We got 10 minutes. Patrick <laughs> made that comment about 20 minutes ago. We're not good at math. No, Scott, we got about 10 minutes. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's pick up the face here. All right. So then he says, do all things without murmurings and questionings. You know, what, what, was, what, did the, what was one of the main problems of the Israelites in the wilderness? Murmuring, oh, take, bring us back to Egypt. Come on, what are you doing to us, Moses? Yeah, yeah. And you know, and he says, become blameless and harmless, children of God without blemish in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you are seen as lights in the world. I just want to point out this real quick. Christians are always to be lights in the world, but the darker the world gets, the more the Christian light stands out. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, this nation was not as corrupt as it is now. 
it was sinful and corrupt. But by and large, a lot of people kind of in the middle respected God, respected the word of God, even if they ignored it. Uh, the men didn't want to use foul language in front of women and children. They'd use it around each other. But, you know, there, there was kind of a respect here, kind of a comfortable gray in the middle. For godly was, principles. Yeah, there were some really awful people and some really good people, but a lot of people in the middle res had a general respect for godly principles. Today, man, there's people that, that, with agendas to just destroy godly principles. And as it gets farther and farther, it's more and more of an opportunity to be lights in the middle of a perverse generation. But that means we need to not go along with the perverse generation. We've got to be lights to it. And you're probably going to get punched out for it today. I don't and mean that physically. I mean, you know. And it may come physically. It may come. That's right. That's right. Um, well, didn't Paul get punched out a lot? And, and in fact, he says here in verse 17, if I am offered up on the sacrifice and service of your faith, mm. I joy and rejoice with you all. And in the same manner, you rejoice with me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're to rejoice if he's going to be put on the carving block? Yeah. So he's telling them, if they kill me, I want you to be happy for them. Mm. Now, with the Philippians... They, they're not going to get to see him again. They're not going to benefit from him personally dealing with them again. So they could feel sorry for themselves, but looking to the things of others, hey, Paul doesn't have to go through this anymore. Paul's the Lord. End of chapter two. End of chapter two. He talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Since we're, playing, we're going to skip that. Beginning of chapter three, he's talking about I'm sorry, let me stop this phone. There. No. <laughs> sorry about that. That's it, right. It was out of, so I was gonna ignore it. Um he talks about watch out for the circumcision party and everything, but then drop down after talking about his own past and persecution. I'd like us to finish with these verses down here. Verse chapter three, verse twelve. Not that I have already, he's, or start with verse 11. I want to, well, start with verse 10 even. <laughs> I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained or already made perfect, but I do what in the middle of verse 12? Press on to make it my own. Yeah. And then... But what does he say in verse 13? I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And then again, verse 14, I press on. So let's finish with this idea. And remember, we've talked about mental health and, and Philippians. We've seen the idea of not just optimism, but looking at what's spiritual instead of physical, choosing what to focus on, turning our the things that we would be anxious about over to God, doing it with thanksgiving. Chapter four talks about contentment. Chapter two talks about humility. And here, just our, our, our outlook. Press. Our focus. Oh, yeah, that's a good word. Press on. Not focusing on what's behind. 
people can make big mistakes in focusing on what's behind. Uh, there's the glory days focus of behind. There's the defeatist focus of behind. There's the unforgiving focus of what's behind. And lots of what, you know, there's people that are just bitter and angry because in 2008, so-and-so did this to me. Uh, there's people who instead of moving forward in Christ or in anything in life, they're just remembering some previous point in life where they did something good. And there's people that hold themselves back because they say, well, after all the bad things I did, I don't think God could ever forgive me. And Paul is, is described as the chiefest of sinners. God forgave him and Paul forgave himself. So after talking about all the persecution he used to do, he said, I forget the things that are behind and press on. Drew. You can, yeah, uh, another focus is on the regrets. Yep. And Paul, he could have been very regretful of all the things he did before becoming a follower of Christ in the persecution against the church. Now, I'm sure that was there on his mind. He mentions it and brings it up. Yeah. But he looks at it, well, I did it. I did everything I did up until this point was in good conscience. I'm sorry I did all of that, obviously. But now well, he's focusing he can, forward. And he can regret it, but he can't wallow in it. Right. You know, if every morning, you know, he gets up, oh, why should I talk to anybody after what I did? Well, yeah. it, it, like he said to the Corinthians, you don't want to be swallowed up with over much sorrow. So he said to that fellow that had repented, now forgive him. Before, you had to hold his feet to the fire because he hadn't repented, but now, forgive him. Can you imagine that? This first time after uh, Damascus, he goes over to Jerusalem to go into the very heart of the movement that he was trying oh. to kill, and he's not afraid to go in there, knowing what they're thinking of him, and we can read the scriptures on what it says they thought of him. Wait a minute, we don't want this guy around us. He went in anyway, didn't he? Yeah, he just He just goes and goes and goes and goes. Because he's pressing forward, right. not looking at things that are behind. Right. I want to give one. Uh, yeah, we got about two minutes left. Now, I want to finish with one analogy that I like to use on this. Uh, Drew, uh, that uh, little car that you have. That little red car I have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. How big is the rear view mirror? Oh, it's about, I don't know, what, okay. about that big. How big is oh, wait a minute, the one inside the car? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, about that big. Yeah. How big is the windshield? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What if Mazda had done that in reverse and they made the rear view mirror this big? <laughs> I'd be crashing and, in. And, and the windshield this big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, that good looking red car would be in a junkyard somewhere. <laughs> because it... I think there's an important analogy there. It's helpful to know what's in our past, but that's not as important as where we're going. Mm. So Peter talks about people that are short-sighted and they forget the cleansing of their old sins. You know, a person's been a Christian a while and he starts thinking how lucky God is to have him and he forgets, you know, some of the things he's done. Don't you know it's Paul knows what he did, but that's not what he's focused on. If we go through life in a rearview mirror, 
instead of looking out the windshield, we're going the wrong way. Absolutely. We're just about out of time. I want to apologize for those of you that come in normally on the Facebook page. Today, we were not broadcasting on the Facebook page. Uh, technical difficulties between Scott and I. <laughs> Jonathan wasn't with us. Stephen wasn't with us. But Lord willing, next uh, Tuesday will be full, the full complement. All four of us should be here next week, Lord willing. And so we I wanted... think technical difficulty was Scott's incompetence. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus there, Scott. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Oh, no, no, no. Well, listen, I do want to thank everyone that joined us today and for your comments. Well, we look forward to um, rejoining the conversation next week. We're going to be going into a totally different topic, but we're not sure exactly where we're going to start it. But maybe, you got to. Maybe evolution. Maybe evolution. That's an interesting topic. And uh, look forward to having all of you join us next Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Always try to come in on the BibleQuest Zoom app by going to BibleQuest.org. You're guaranteed to be in the program with us. Um, sometimes we don't get onto the Facebook page. But it will be recorded and be posted for different um, at different locations. Thank you, everyone. Scott, very, very good program today. Thank you for everything. Thank everyone, you. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of your day.